Wayne. How's it going? I'm very good, Ed. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. I'm glad the heat wave has cooled down. The two-day heat wave. Everyone melted for two days and now we've gone back to normal summer time. British weather. Yeah, I was one of those who bought a fan. Uh-huh. For, well, I did have a fan anyway. I didn't just go and get one. I had a fan, but it, it's been in storage because we haven't had heat for so long that it had a, a massive accumulation of dust on it. And I was like, I'm not even dealing with that. So I went in, got a fan. I didn't really use it in the end because you know when you put on a fan and it gets hot yep. anyway do you know what i mean the, the fan itself gets hot and i thought i'm not even dealing with that inferno problem anyway football's been pretty good for pre-season it's always one of those ones where you don't want to draw too many conclusions i i did see some analysis that said the uh, the correlation the r squared rate was 0.12 is like as in Almost no correlation at all between preseason results yeah. and the first ten games of the actual season. So let's not get too excited. But 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 you know, ignore everything before the but. But actually, there's been quite a few things to get excited about, hasn't there? Yeah, come on, nothing is ever definite. In, in yeah, you know, we are drawing our our path in life. Do you know, like everything is meant to be unpredictable, right? So don't conclude that everything's going to be good moving forward. But the reverse is very much mm-hmm. true in terms of if you have a bad preseason, you're pretty much going to have a, a really poor start to the season. That is pretty much nailed on. Now, you, the conclusion that you can draw from that is we've given ourselves the best possible chance, really. That's kind of why I was hoping that they wouldn't play the game in in Perth with the sodden pitch, you know, yeah. even though those fans have waited a long time and they wanted... I could understand why, why they were going to play it, um, but I kind of wish that they hadn't because of the potential that we were giving ourselves for injury and yes, yeah. and stuff like that. But well, Ten Hag um, made a lot of did. changes in the second half, didn't he? And for a fifth game of pre-season, fifth or fourth? Fourth. In pre-season, he made 11 changes, which is probably more than he might have wanted to, but I, I imagine it's because of just trying to avoid those injuries. Look, like I said, I think it's been a good pre-season. Oh, yeah, you can't guarantee that it's going to be good moving forward. I mean, can you remember Mourinho had a horrible preseason, which was right before the collapse? Yeah. Moyes' preseason was absolutely dreadful for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. Um, I know people are gonna they're gonna complain about the dragging eels aspect of some of the transfers, but I think in that respect, considering that we've got a lot of new people in different roles, I think that it's you know they seem to be back in the manager. It seems to be very much what he's driving. Um, I can. It's the horrible catch twenty two for someone like you and I in this position. We people listen to us talk about United, so people want us to sort of give some kind of analysis on analysis on where the new people are going. Now the problem is the problem that I always find is that I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt right at the start, even though we've seen a lot of these. You know, like obviously, a couple of the people who have been moved around into different roles, they've been yep. at the club for a long time, but they're still in new positions. People will say you can't give them the benefit of the doubt because a lot needs to change, a lot needs to change very quickly. It does, but you can't see the results of that in six or seven weeks. You've no. got to give it a longer chance to, to succeed. And it's the same as last season, when at the back end of last season, when I said previous to last season, when all the protests were happening, um, and the Glazers came out and they sort of, for the first time, embraced communication or whatever. I made the idiotic public stand of saying, well, 
give them a chance because it's the first time they've done it, so give them a chance. And obviously, <laughs> we saw that they did them full full on a lot of stuff. But I still feel like, all right, you gave them a chance, and now we know they're not really to be trusted. The, the owners, yeah, the people working under the owners, you've got to give them a chance because they've got to make the best of what they've got. And so far, it's been geared towards what the manager wants, which is really yes, all that we as supporters can ask for. Um, so yeah, in terms of that, I think you don't know how. how I mean, I know that we're going to get into the the details of the preseason, but the overall picture so far, I, th- I think, is pretty healthy. And you know, if the results had gone badly, and if the performances had, had gone badly, and if it looked like the players weren't going to respond to the um, instructions, um, you know, I'm already more positive than I was at any point under Rangnick, and yeah, so he sure. came in yeah. playing. You know, um, he, he was implementing a new philosophy and. A new strategy and all that sort of stuff. So, so and he was being very honest and straightforward yep. and everything like that. Well, all the things that supports think that they want to hear. But yeah, I, I'm quietly optimistic. Okay, well, I can't be quiet. Quietly, unfortunately, you've got to be loudly about it. But um, I'm, I'm being more optimistic than pessimistic because of of the way that it's gone so far. It's the wonderful thing about having a public platform, isn't it? You get to make an idiot of yourself every week by making proclamations about yeah. something that's almost certainly wrong the next week. So. <laughs> Welcome to doing podcasting or writing or anything like that. So mm-hmm. anyway, maybe, maybe we can structure the conversation around like highlights and lowlights from the game so far. New players, because we, we can talk about some of them, some who have played. Well, Malassia yeah. has played and there aren't any other new ones. And maybe some of the kids and then onto transfers and, and Ten Hag himself. Yeah. And so like highlights for, for me, the highlight of the, the past four games has been... Anthony Martial, Jaden Sancho, and Marcus Rashford working together yeah. up front. And they've not played every minute of every game together, obviously, but just the moments. And Marcus Rashford looking fitter and more confident than any than at any point in the last 18 months, two years maybe. Jaden yeah, Sancho fair. looking like a really high quality player, you know, floating anywhere in the in the, the front three. And and Anthony Martial, I mean I have to say, I think I probably said it, talking about making a fool of yourself on the public platform, probably said it more than once that the club really needs to get rid, that his time was up and not for lack of quality, but for lack of consistent application over the last six years. But he's been great pre-season, pre-season. So yeah. caveat there. But yeah, uh, yeah what, what have your highlights been? Those, um, I think Fernandez looks like the weight's been lifted off him in much the same way as it has been Rashford. And obviously we can apply some of that to Ronaldo, but you know he goes further back for for both of those players. He goes further back, especially for Rashford, because he was carrying, like I said, 18 months, two years, he's been carrying knocks and loss of confidence and everything like that. The um, the kids coming in, I think, have done very well. I like Malassia, I think he's very progressive. I like the um, the way that he's got the team set up in, in the way that the fullbacks are pressing high and the, the way that the wingers are playing. Yeah, I, I really do like Sancho. I think he's come on. He, it's funny that we signed him as a right winger, and everyone, and then he because of Greenwood's form and the the idea of like Ronaldo coming in and nobody knowing where all these players were going to fit. And now we don't have that problem because Greenwood's not there. Obviously, Cavani's gone. Ronaldo's um, yeah, Ronaldo um is doing what Ronaldo is doing. Keep him, <laughs> keep him fit. Get out him. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um. But yeah, I, I, I'm in much the same boat as everything that you just said there. 
The thing with Martial, we know that he's got the talent. It's not about whether he can do it in pre-season. It's about whether or not he can do a consistent run form, whether yeah. or not he's not going to disappear. Which he really never has. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and whether he'll he'll be present and standing up. Now, the thing that we, you've got with Martial, which to say I think the horse has bolted and I don't want to be negative because I'm, I'm definitely willing to give him another chance because he's got a lot of talent and and I think he has suffered with the managers I know that Mourinho obviously um, the worst thing that happened to Martial was Sanchez coming in because obviously Rashford and right and Martial were playing great off it they were having this really good rivalry and then Sanchez came in it derailed everything for a long period yeah, of time really did, yeah. I think people forget how I mean, I know it even goes back further than that when Zlatan came in and took the shirt and everything. You know, so it's been a long time for Martial. Now, the the problem is you're you're talking about a four-year period there, and you can't invest four years. It's the same Pogba principle, really. Like if we'd have invested another three-year contract, you're basically investing, asking for the last three years to be repeated, and that's kind of like what you're thinking with Martial. But the thing what we've got with Martial that we haven't had with the other players is that he's had a reality check. He's gone to Sevilla. You know, nobody else wanted him but Sevilla. He didn't do well there. They were criticising him for the same yeah. things that he gets criticised for in Manchester. So he can't have any hiding place for that. He's seen where Lingard's gone. He's gone to Nottingham Forest. He's seen where Pogba's yeah. gone. And I know like Pogba went back, but he only went back to Juventus because they were familiar with him. And yeah. he's had to take a, a bit of a humility check with that one because obviously Real yeah. are looking to move forward and they didn't want to invest in him. Paris were looking to move forward and they couldn't, see Pogba as the gamble even on a free transfer yep. so and I'm not I'm not digging on those players what I'm saying is going into Martial moving forward no no it's a step down look, yeah exactly yeah. he knows now this is his last chance and he and it's not the club that he can't just look at United and blame United because those players weren't wanted by bigger clubs they've yep. gone and they've had to take step downs so Martial knows and he definitely knows because of what happened to him at Sevilla that he really does need to step up and Ten Hag said it he said it very pot. He said it's up to him. You know, he said I like him, but he's up to him. But l- let me finish because I'm I, I'm aware that I'm being too negative on on him. There, I do like the way that he's looked in preseason. He does have a really good link up with Rashford, which I think that we because they would often only one of them were playing. You don't get to see that link up very often. So seeing it in preseason, True. and then seeing how good um, Sancho's been with them, it even looks and maybe it's because he's a shiny new toy. Sancho looks like he might even be the the dominant one in that front three, which says a lot because he's obviously a bit a little bit younger and new mm-hmm. newer to the setup. But he looks like he's got the confidence to step in and be like, right, I'm going to be the number one in this front three, which I think is really really positive because that will encourage the other two to step up. Like you said, Rashford looks liberated. He he's just even off the ball. The way that he moves and the way that he carries himself, it does literally Just look like better. he's. Yeah. It looks like he's lost, and I know that he hasn't because he's a muscular, lean guy anyway. But it looks like he's lost a stone and half. Do you know that's how, how mm. freely he's moving? Um, he, he looks really good. The way that he's shooting, even though he hasn't really scored a lot, um, he, the way that he's shooting and striking, really confident. Yep. And obviously Martial getting into those areas. I am impressed with a lot of it. Even the defense. I, you know, I like the, the way that they're pushing up. I know that they're inherently going to have problems because of their natural ability. So there's and the the way that um, Tenor is looking to develop whatever combination he's trying to develop. He's got Maguire on the right, which is an obvious 
an obvious move that he's made. He obviously doesn't trust mm-hmm. Tellez at fullback because he's been playing at left no. centre back. We've got to wait and see what happens with Varane because Varane, you would think, on quality, would be the natural person who's going to be um, complimenting Martinez. Just got to stay fit. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. So you've got all these questions to be asked. The defence is obviously going to be the bedrock in, on which Tenog builds the system. Then you've got the midfield. Everything though looks good. The the football that they're playing is good. It's very proactive. They're pushing out the pitch. They're looking to, you know, the the biggest complaint that we had last season. Sometimes it looked like United were down to nine men, honestly, yes. in almost every game because they were they were nowhere near. And it, because you know and I know, it, you have this natural inclination to say they're not trying. They're not tackling, but it just looks like that because the confidence is shot, and you know, yes, no yes, footballers yes. not trying. And it's, even when we, you know, Neville was saying, Look at them walking around against City and look at what they're doing against Liverpool, they don't want to be humiliated by them. And look, we, we spoke in the aftermath of a couple of those defeats that were very, very difficult. And we, the, the message probably from me was very difficult, uh, different then to what it is now. Because I was very downbeat in the response. Like looking at it more objectively, with a little bit of distance, obviously they don't want to be embarrassed and humiliated by that. They don't want to be associated with the tag of the, the worst Manchester United team in a generation. They don't want that. Why would they want that? But hmm. so the point I'm, I'm making though is that they, under this manager, they do look confident and they are pressing in all the right areas. They don't look that, like they're down to nine men. They look like they they can outnumber in different areas. And um it's like a system. And yeah. Exactly. exactly. And I, I hated I really hated having a go at um Solskjaer for that. Because I, I felt it was still ineffective and we still play good football and it you know, it was very much clear that it was a four two three one. We knew what system we were playing. Yeah. It's just the way that those players understood the responsibilities and I think that's where in his in his inexperience came in and the fact they didn't get good coach well good coaches he didn't get more modern coaches around him to convey those messages yeah um, to help him so out not, yeah. we, we don't need to go over the Solskjaer remake, but we'll just talk about the pronounced difference that we've seen under Tenor and obviously Rangnick mm-hmm. Rangnick was meant to be this massively experienced coach but he had exactly the same problems now that told, tells yep. you that the players there was a player problem with the players but there couldn't have been that big a problem because they still finished in the... If, if we're going to say it's a generous second the year before, at least they finished worthy of the top four. Mm-hmm. And they were a long way off that last season. So there's obviously a problem in there. Confidence and momentum plays a big part. I think that that's a big thing that Ten Hag's got right. Well, he's certainly got the momentum, hasn't he? So he's certainly yeah. building momentum. And you can really see... You can see the system. You see it. both Luke Shaw, who's you know a player who's pretty progressive in his movement going forward and and Malassia who's who's very interesting because he dr- drifts inside quite a bit as well you know it looks like a very Ajax style fullback even if he came from um, oh yeah yeah came from PSV or Feyenoord sorry um, Feyenoord, so yeah. you can you can see the pronounced change already in the the system even this early and I, that gives me confidence that everyone will move forward as a result I, they're a weakness obviously you know Ten Hag was very critical of the Goals conceded against Villa, said it was unacceptable that they'd switched off, which is an interesting word for pre-season, I think. And and obviously Dave did a Dave, and we know he's not going to be strong in the air, sadly. You know, he did this, and he's not going to be strong in the air, and he's not strong with his feet, although it's very interesting how 
he is already playing short passes into fullback areas. So clearly, clearly instructed to do that. We'll see whether we have some problems there and he misplaces a pass or two. But uh, yeah, I, I just think yeah, in terms of pattern, very, very clear. Four-two-three-one. Yeah, flexible going forward, pushing fullbacks really high, pushing the centre backs the the high line much higher than under Ragnick. Yeah. It's risky football. It's progressive football. And certainly without the defensive midfield cover, which we don't have, and the link between defence and, and midfield and attack, which we don't have, which we can talk about, like some of the transfer targets coming up, the, the, that risk will be exposed, I yeah. think, at some point when we get into the Premier League. And, and then we'll see how much of Ten Hag's philosophy remains when results uh, don't quite go his way, which, of course, inevitably will happen. United are not going to win the league in the season coming up. You know, this is a season of... Progress, we hope, or it can't be anything but progress, can it? You know, I, we talked briefly about Van Hal prior to recording, and and Van Hal was derailed by that result at Leicester, and he changed everything. And uh, you know, I feel like Ten Hag is strong enough that he's going to implement his philosophy, and we'll find out if he's strong enough to implement that philosophy despite the players. And that sounds really negative, but I just I actually think it's really positive. I'm I'm hoping the manager is. He gets to decide, and it's not the players that get to decide, and it's not the results that get to decide. And so I feel feel confident, just you know, that we've got that system. There is a pattern of football. We know how United are going to play. And now, the thing after that really does become, and reductive as it sounds, does become: can we get the right players to play in that system? Yeah. Either from finding younger players, which is hard to say that anyone is definitely going to break through, or or from the transfer market. What are your thoughts on the younger players? Because quite a few of them have been on tour. Yeah. And some of them have stood out a little bit. Um, yeah. In midfield. I've got to say, the thing is as well, they've come on together in every game. They've yeah. played together in every game. And they've played in the centre of midfield together in every game when they've played. And they've looked capable. And not only capable, I mean, well, I mean, held their own against good teams. Like, really yeah. good teams. Like, obviously... Yeah, all right. You know, Liverpool had a much changed side, but they had the better players on when they came on, and they didn't look out of place. Mm -hmm. You know, they looked good against Palace, obviously against the Australian side, and you know, yeah, I don't think that they were too bad yesterday. You know, I don't think I, I wouldn't have a go at them for saying that that's why the result slipped or anything. So I'm really, really impressed with them. Zidane's um, temperament is just unbelievable. I still have one or two reservations about Savage. I'm not sure if he's got the, the right quality at that level. Um, but Zidane certainly... Let's see. His passing is pretty good. He could very well be. And you don't know until they've give, been given sort of four or five games in the first team to sort of actually have a look at him and see what they're about. He could very well be that underrated, kind of like Nicky Boat, passer and mover. Do you know what I mean? Just move the ball along and carry on with that, uh, carry on with your game like that. And you do need a player like that in a team. So it could very well... I'm not saying he doesn't have the temperament for it. I just I'm looking at the comparison between the two, and I think yeah. and it, maybe it's because maybe it's because Iqbal's got a trick or two more yeah, than yeah. more than Savage has, so it stands out a little bit more. And obviously you've got Anibal, who um, he showed his temperament at the end of last season. He, he showed that he can. He's not overawed by the occasion, so you want to see him get a chance as well. But obviously, that midfield area is is so pivotal that you. I don't think that Tenor can afford to use those players in rotation. I don't, just I don't yet, think he will, yeah. Because of the fact that he's 
so significant. Yeah, I, I don't think he will either. But I, what I'm saying is, when I've looked at it and I've, I've been more impressed by that, I still think that it's a ways off from like saying, all right, we can actually trust that into the first team. But certainly, I would say all the cup games, the Europa League games, give them minutes, give them many minutes to really, mm-hmm. you know, give them a, a fair shake. Don't just bring them on when it's like three nil against, I don't, I don't know, some team from and it Luxembourg. Yeah. Well, I don't quite expect the team from Luxembourg to be 3 0 up against United, but you know, you never, you never know. (laughs) You know, stranger things have happened. No, I, I I tell you what you mean. You know, if you're going to give them minutes, give them proper minutes, uh, and otherwise, otherwise, find find a loan move, and and it may it may well be that both Iqbal and Savage do get loans because I I can't see them getting too many minutes in the in the first team in the Premier League. I I guess the one miss has been James Garner had an injury, disrupted preseason. We would have seen more of him, but for that, he had a good season at Forest last season, but not a great season. And his numbers don't look like they'd translate to the Premier Premier League. But that doesn't always say everything about a player. And players mature at different rates, don't they? So yeah, we, he, he had a season which also, is sort of passing really improved at Forest, I'd say. And and but there is a hole there. There's there's a hole there for someone to link defence and midfield, or to be the destroyer, which isn't really him. Or both, in fact. Yeah. So there's yeah. an opportunity for him, for sure. The fact that we've won the Youth Cup, there's historically like six or seven first-team appearances will be made. Well, not six or seven first-team appearances. There'll be six or seven of those players will get chances in the first team for however long. That's historically what the average is for those players gaining. And you can't say exactly who or where because of mm-hmm. it's injury or... or Cup games, we when whenever that opportunity arises for them. So, the unique thing about that is, we've never had a manager take over when we've won the Youth Cup in the previous season. So, he's walking into a fairly healthy situation for that, and it does look like a decent youth team. I mean, you know, we can we can all remember the 2011 Youth Cup winning team, and thinking a lot more would make that into the first team than what they, right. what they did, and the ones that did make it. Interesting journey for some of them, right? <laughs> Pogba, Lingard, Ravel. Yeah, exactly. But um, but they still played. I mean, Pogba and Lingard still played like over two hundred appearances for us. So you know, mm-hmm. it's, you could call it a success in that regard. What I'm saying is, it's another situation that um, I'm not I'm not playing Glazenomics here. We definitely need significant signings in significant areas. What I'm, I am saying is that it is healthy for him to be able to call upon these players and to use them and we shouldn't look on that as a bad thing um, as long as it's supplemented by the right players however like you said the key area the, the key area in this team is going to be that hole in midfield and you can't you can't go into that with a, a rookie or what we've got and expect that we're going to reprove no. from, from where we were all right well that feels like a good segue into talking about the the latest on the transfer situation so we've Malassia's come in talked about him a bit you know, he looks pretty good. I think he's going to challenge yep. Luke Shaw, and Luke Shaw needs it based on last season's performances. And then Ericsson signed, and and Martinez, and they're both two interesting signings, which you wouldn't necessarily have picked out beforehand. Ericsson, uh, Ten Hag has been really clear, signed him to play midfield. He played a lot of last season at Brentford, sort of off the left yep. in the in the in the front three. It uh, looks like he might play as an eight. At United, or at least part of the squad, and play some of those games, if not all of them. Interesting call. We haven't seen any of that, of course, because he's not been on pre-season because he's signed quite late. Yeah. But, you know, we've got two more games coming up. And presumably, we're going to see him in those games. I probably wouldn't have picked Ericsson as an ideal 
like transformational signing for United, but but someone who's coming into the squad who really wanted to join United, who had other offers and could have gone elsewhere and given his journey, it feels like a very positive signing at this stage in the progress. And he knows Ten Hag, or at least he knows the Ajax system. No, yeah, I'm completely with you on that. Um, Ericsson, for those reasons, is a key signing for Ten Hag because he's low risk in terms of like, he's cost nothing. Yeah. He's so familiar with the thing. And we've had such a turnover of players that what he needs is that introduction of players who understand his way of doing things. So they're going to become the leaders, de facto, really. So you could yep. Martinez is going to become a leader in the back. Um, and sort of what's expected of that back line. He's exactly, be what, what's the, expected in this system. Yeah. And, and Ericsson's yeah. going to be the same in midfield as well. And you, I think it's right for him to be playing in that area. Um, you don't want to, We've got a, a lot of pace and vibrancy in the front of one player who may not be in it, but a lot of unpredictability in that front line, which is good to look at. You know, there's no point at that. You're not probably not always going to play with it. You're going to have more creative players behind in certain games, and might have more compact formations and systems. Ericsson, mm -hmm. it just seems like a very sensible signing all the way. I mean, he, he showed no adverse effects from what he went through. There's going to be a big connection to the crowd. And don't underestimate these things because. Look, there was a massive disconnection with the crowd last season. So if you get a player yes. who everyone is taken to them, you know, if even the the thing that happened with Ericsson and Williams last season, you know, when Williams yes. like the the heartwarming thing where <laughs> he's, give oh, him I'm going to get then. you and give him some aggro, and then he's like Ericsson, so he's like, oh, even that, like United fans are loving that, and that's nothing really to yeah, do yeah. with us at the time, and no. He was brilliant when he played for Spurs. He was always good against us. Um, you can't doubt his class as a footballer. The the one little thing that I, I can remember is that when he was forcing his way out of Spurs, it was because of like the astronomical money that he wanted. And United were being linked mm. with him at the time when that's probably around the time that we'd signed Sanchez. And it was like, are we going to really make another mistake like this? Because it looked like we could have easily gone in for that kind of deal. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that we were linked with him there. Now... Obviously, things have changed a lot, and he's grateful to have this opportunity that um, clubs wouldn't take. There's definitely no um, doubt in his class. When he played for Brentford at Old Trafford, he was pretty much the best midfielder on the pitch there. Um, mm -hmm. So he can still he's still do that. He's not going to be overawed by Old Trafford because he's dictated games at Old Trafford before in winning performances for Spurs. Sure. So he's played all, for big clubs. I mean, and, yeah. You've lost you've lost Matter. You've lost Pogba. Um, you've lost Lingard, three players who operate in yeah. similar areas. Who, who, and and yes. Ericsson is better than all of them. Um, I, I, sure. Not in terms of... Look, Matter is definitely an equal, but in terms of how he would fit into a United system, Matter was always a different kind of fit because he, he was played to both to play on the right wing at one point, both to play in a number 10 system when we had Rooney playing there, even though Rooney wasn't mm -hmm. in form. You weren't going to force him out of the team because of the contract that he was on. So Matter never seemed like a good fit. Ericsson's a perfect fit. There's there's an obvious vacation in this side for him. So um, yeah, um, I I'm one hundred percent on board with this being a, a fantastic signing. Um, again, people might listen to Glazenomics, but I think sometimes you take the sensible option when it's there, and it was there. And for everything, most importantly, Tenog implementing what he wants to do. Um, I think Ericsson's a perfect perfect signing for us. 
Yeah, I, look, I think you're right. No, it's a no-lose. He could have gone back to Spurs, who are a, a better side right now, under Conte, a proven manager. Could have stayed at Brentford, where he had so much sort of love and and success and been a big fish in a smaller pond, and he's chosen to come to United. So I think that's a positive all round. Ed. Even though signing older players on big money, and he's on big-ish money, has not really worked for United in the past, <laughs> over the past nine years. It doesn't feel like that kind of shiny, yeah. big name, Ed Woodward style signing. So it gives me less sort of anxiety. Uh, yeah, it's positive all around. If he plays at number eight, it will be interesting because he's obviously got quality and he can definitely play there. And uh, as long as like him and Fernandez are not in the same zone Feels... all the time. And so like how him, Fernandez and Donny van der Pitt, yeah. van der Beek all kind of fit because they, they are quite similar players. I think it actually strikes me for anyone old right. enough to remember. It's more like an Arnold Muren kind of signing. Then we come on to Martinez, who's he's such an interesting signing. I mean, you, look, I don't watch the Eredivisie, mm. but he's, I've seen him in the Champions League, obviously, and, and bits of Argentina. I spoke to Elko Bourne a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, friend of the pod, about that one. He, he was quite circumspect about it. He said, look, Ajax fans won't be that upset about him going and everyone's going to think it's a great deal for the amount of money, which is interesting, isn't it, as a, as a piece of analysis. But, you know, what's he going to bring to United? He's, he's, just, he's a great passer of the ball, clearly, just from the numbers and watching him play, he's, he's going yeah. to help United bring the ball out of defence and beat the press in a way that we can't right now. So, like, for... for yeah. For all of Harry Maguire's qualities, and, and he's, yeah. he leads to the Premier League in terms of passes made into the final third. And, and I think a lot of that was the system, though. Him ending up at number 10 a lot of the time because of the mess of the system. But, but for all of Harry Maguire's qualities, United panicked when pressed so often. And I think that's why Martinez has been bought, basically. He, mm. he can play, he's left-footed. He's, he's going to open up that side of the pitch for United, much more balanced in an attacking sense. His... His attacking numbers as the defender are great. He's going to pass the ball well. He's going to pass it into the right areas. He'll be involved in the build-up of the XG chain. And it's that great qualities there. And he's a, he's a tenacious defender from what I've seen of him. He is five foot nine, <laughs> and, and I guess he can feel thankful that he's yeah. not going to be up against Martin Vinkhorst and, and Burnley lumping it along next season because it would be interesting to watch that. I guess that's the thing everyone will be watching. Is he going to be caught out because he's a little guy at the back, which you just don't see very often? Yeah, I I mean, look, if if we were up against Burnley, then you just put Maguire there. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, very true. It's not like he's the only defender that we've got. I do. Look, I I get it. I get it. The reservations. I'm fully on board with that, and I I can understand why. The, The one thing that I have got a problem with is, first of all, that what you've said about the Ajax, there's, there's not really been a tremendous sadness that he's going, which is concerns me a little bit. They seem yep. quite happy for the amount of money. And I don't know if it's because of the track record that we've got. I know he's definitely better on the ball than Heinzer and Rojo, for, for sure. He's better on the ball than either of those was. And this is more a reservation about Rojo than it is Heinzer because he wasn't as dangerous I just remember the two years when Rojo played <laughs> for us. Well, he played longer for us, but it seemed two years when he was playing regularly. And you 
I hated it, and not because I didn't like him as a player. Like everyone likes a full-blooded, committed player. Sure. But you didn't know if he was going to hurt someone or hurt himself, and I don't like watching that. I don't know. It really did give me like a sense of anxiety watching it because it it wasn't pleasant to uh-huh. watch. It wasn't. It was like a separate part of the game when he went into it. He just, especially sometimes you get that with Bai, but Bai's not as reckless. That he's kind of like the Robson trait, and I'm not comparing Bai to Robson, but <laughs> he he went into things when you, you knew he would have hurt. Bai is the new yeah, Robson, <laughs> yeah. but but, <laughs> you, but but yeah, yeah, exactly. But but what I'm saying is he went into things yeah. when he, he probably shouldn't because he's going to get hurt. Well, that's definitely what Robson used to do. He'd overcommit, and you just sort of knew sometimes he's going to get hurt. Rojo. There'd be things set up where yeah, they'd like yeah. 50-50 and you, you knew that he was 30-70 against him and he'd still go into it. And we saw him get yeah. injured a lot of times in those occasions. And I, I just don't like it. I mean, I'm not saying like I don't really have like a massive empathy for all the teams that we're playing against, but I still don't like to see United player going out deliberately to injure other people. I'm not saying that he definitely did that, but he went out with a... Rojo's a mad bastard. Yeah, he was reckless. I mean, anyone who can see <laughs> the way that he makes toast can understand he has no regard for things that are considered normal. So the, this is the problem that I've got with the aggression side of it. Is that what we're going to see from him? Obviously, uh, from the numbers and everything, the way that he's better on the ball, Martinez, I would presume not, because you would have a better understanding of the the retention and the retrieval of a ball yeah. to know that you're not no, saying... No, you know, Rojo wasn't good on the ball. Let's not make any bones about that. But Martinez is. So there's obviously more care in the way that he, he gets hold of the ball as well. So hopefully we're not going to see that. I don't know. It is a very curious one, probably the most curious of the signings because of the fact that he's probably def- he's going to be nailed on to start in that defence. He should be for that amount of money. Yeah, I know that yeah, Varane's a World Cup winner and yep. Maguire costs the most, but you don't make a statement signing like that in your defence if you're not intending to use him and change things up. So it will be interesting. We, we have seen, and I, I've got to uh-huh. give the shout, Paul Parker, Obviously, I do a lot of work with him, and he was shorter. <laughs> he was shorter than Martin. Well, he still is shorter than Martin. There's another. He's grown, grown four inches in the few in the in the in the years since he's retired. Um, yes. So, and he was a, an excellent centre back. So it's all about his, his timing. Everything's about timing, and yeah, it's like Ferdinand was Ferdinand a great tackler. We don't know because he never had to tackle because he was such a good intercept he's so good at reading the game so you don't know what he's going to bring can it adapt to the english game it's very very intriguing but yeah the one definite thing you can say is he's good on the ball and that's a very good fit for 10 hog system and again looking for optimism aren't we so that's we we uh, are going to be the best signings since sliced toast the, and the one missing so far is Frankie de Jong. You know, it, it's just waiting for Barcelona to blink, I guess, and yeah. pay up the money and, and then see if, if de Jong really wants to come or not. It, it would be a very, very yeah. sad indictment on, well, I guess John Murta and the recruitment department if it turns out that after all this time we didn't know whether he was willing to join United or not. I'm hoping it's just about the details of the contract and the money he's owned and all of that. So. Yeah. You can't be in a situation like that, especially this session. Ten Hag will be talking to him. That that those conversations will. If United got played in this situation, it's it's, it's yeah. It, it, everyone needs to retire and start again. Yeah, sack him, sack him, get on his back. As a player, De Jong is is really interesting. I, I was chatting to Paul Kamo, former former host 
Paul came over to the house last night, so I had a chat to him, and he, he he pointed out, which I think is fair analysis, that he's basically had a one and a half good seasons in his career so far, and yeah, that's a, it might be um, on the harsh side of the analysis that, but there's some truth to it. I mean, I guess if United do capture this player, it's because we're buying X18, 19 De Jong and not Barcelona, 21, 22 De Jong. And I feel sorry for him in a way, because at Barcelona, yeah. he couldn't play the system he played at Ajax because Busquets was there. Right? So what's De Jong great at? He's great at getting the ball off the centre-backs and driving forward. Yeah. He's got a very good range of passing. Not the best ever, but a very good range of passing. And he carries the ball. He's in the high 90s in the percentile for carrying the ball in midfield. And he carries the ball into forward areas and gets the ball moving. And and so he's not a number six, even though that's how Ten Hag described him. He described him as a holding midfielder. But he's a, he's a very different form of holding player if, if he comes in to play that role. But at Barcelona yeah. last season, he was pushed forward. And, and it probably wasn't a role that suited him, really. And so it seems to me that this move is one that would suit absolutely everybody. And, and the two holds up, hold-ups are Barcelona wanting to not pay him the money, I'm assuming, guessing, not knowing, that he's owed, which is nearly 20 million euros, which would give most people pause for thought <laughs> to try and sacrifice that much money. And then probably the player going, right, is this the right move for my career? He's, he lives in a great city. It is a great city, Barcelona. He's at a great club, uh, even if it's going through tough times. Uh, and there's not a lot of incentive for him to, to move. He's on a really mega contract. And so United have to go some way to convince him that the chaos of the past nine years is not what's going to be the next few years uh, of the peak years of his career. Yeah. Everything. I mean, you summarised it perfectly. What? Obviously, he's in a situation where, because he's got that contract, because of the fact that Busquets is is going to mm-hmm. have to retire at some point, so he could move into that role, because of the fact that he'd always wanted to play at Barcelona, there's a slight improvement happening. You've got a manager who could see De Jong as a future on the on the pitch. Do you know there are all these things that he did want to play there? Well, you're not going to give up that without being absolutely forced out. Now, in his in the last preseason mm-hmm. game, he was played in the centre of defence, wasn't he? That's, you know, he might be able to play there. In So it seems like they're making all the noises to sort of, like, come on, you've got to go kind of thing. But I can understand his position. First of all, it is a mega amount of money. Even for someone who's like earning like 200 grand a week, it's still mm-hmm. 100 times that amount. You're talking a lot of money. You're not going to walk away from five lottery wins for the space for the sake of. I mean, when these rumours were starting early June, when it seemed like there were serious legs to them, three months is not a long time to wait for that money to come in. So someone's got to blink. Barcelona have got to make some kind of financial, unless they sell literally everything that has any value to the club, just mm-hmm. to keep all the players in the short term, which you wouldn't put it past them. Now. He's not the instigator. He's not the pushing factor. He doesn't. He didn't want to move. He didn't ask to move. So, if he doesn't, if he doesn't have to move, then I don't think he he, he would. I I think the way that the move's been put to him, I think that he's accepted it in terms of like he'd he'd be happy to everything that we've heard, in terms of like this is pretty much a chess game. So, if De Jong doesn't move, if he doesn't move, 
if if they don't force him out, then he's got to still be popular with the Barcelona fans. Which as someone who's dreamed of playing for Barcelona, he doesn't want to. We know what the Spanish yes, yeah. fans and are especially like. Especially the local media. They can turn yeah. on you very quickly and they can make you feel unwelcome. He doesn't want to be in that position. Yeah, yeah, especially the the media around Barcelona and Real Madrid, it can be so intensive. So he doesn't want to be cast as the villain in that piece. He wants to wait for 20 to 30 million euros, and I don't blame him for that. If he has any reservations over coming to United, because he's got to definitely spend a year at least outside of the Champions League, I can understand that. There's, why would you? You've got to ask the question. Is there going to be investment? It's all right saying that you're buying me. The the other thing I want to say with this is that this, the fee is around sixty sixty five million pound. It's not going and buying the best midfielder in the world. It's buying pretty much like Martinez, like Eriksson, like mm-hmm. Malasia. It's buying a player to fill a role in a position. Now the 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 key with this is he's been identified by Ten Hag as the only player, which is kind of a good thing for his morale to sort of romanticise it, say, bring him over. But it also says that he's this player with those qualities that he wants. You know, yes, he could coach another player into that, but he hasn't seen another player out there. He hasn't just gone for the big, shiny midfielder who's the talk of the town. He's gone for a player very early on who he was familiar with. There's obviously been some kind of very initial conversation I don't even know if it, it might have even been instigated by Barcelona because this came out very, very early in the transfer window, this this story. So it's very obvious that Barcelona have seen De Jong as the key player to move on to yeah. raise the biggest amount of money. Expendable yep. in the way yeah. that Pedri isn't. Yeah. Do you know, or the other youngsters that they've got. Exactly. They, he's seen as the expendable one. So they, I think a large think part so. of it has been driven from Barcelona from the start. And the fact that it's been a very direct link to United. I think that's right. And I think it does fall into place for everyone. And Barcelona need to do it less for the, the absolute cash, although they need it, but to get the wages off the book at this point. I mean, they've they've sold their future for the next 25 years. They've sold yeah. 25% of all future TV royalties and a similar percentage or is 50% of commercial royalties outside of the shirt sponsorship and kit deal. So they've mortgaged a really significant part of their future commercial revenue in order to get money now. It's a massive gamble. It's a gamble that they can start winning again and push even bigger commercial deals. As a result, if it fails, the club is absolutely screwed because there is still nearly a well, you take the yeah. 300, 350 million euros they've just got, they've got a billion euros worth of debt still restructured over a very long period of time. Yeah, so it's still there. So they need they need the money yeah, in order there. to get it off the wage book so, so that they can unlock their signings because Anya, who scored against Real Madrid last night, Robert Lewandowski, who played, will not be playing. And Andres Christensen, who started that game as well, will not be playing on the first game of La Liga unless they get money in. So... I think it's in everyone's interest that this happens. I guess Barcelona are hoping that United blink first and somehow agree to cover those wages. So we'll, we'll see with that one anyway. I guess we can't talk about transfers without talking about some potential outgoings or one potential big outgoing. Uh, we, we briefly mentioned his name before, but Ronaldo posted a picture of himself in the gym during yeah. United's game against Aston Villa. I don't think that was an accident. This is a man who has a mega social media team. What's going on there? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> is he trying to tell us he's, he's fit mm-hmm. and ready? Is he, is he showing the world that he's, uh, he's fit and ready? It, it was unbelievable scenes, Jeff. Unbelievable scenes. 
<laughs> I know that you've been critical of him. If you have that, um, you have a an already held position. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know that. Hashtag agenda. Yeah, the agenda is strong. So. <laughs> No, no, not not an agenda. Oh, I think not it an is. agenda. In the same way that I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think. I think you, you're fair in everything. An agenda would suggest there's something unfair in there. I don't think that. But people will listen to the way uh -huh. that I, because I've romanticised his comeback in a way that you've been a lot more objective about it, and you have refused to sort of. I, I've gone right into the nostalgia because that's what I do. Right, I understand that. So. The tricky thing I have with this is that I don't want to make um, an assumption based on why he sure. stayed behind because we don't know the family reasons. There could have been a very fair family reason. Yes, well, I, I've heard, I've heard one, I've heard one story about it, which, which I guess I'm just not going to repeat here. But yeah, I mean, it seems like the family reason is fair enough, ish. <laughs> yeah, serious, but. But but not one that could have stopped him playing. But anyway, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's one of those, and because he's been through a lot this year, he has. We he's definitely been through a lot. He might have wanted to stay behind. That's one thing. The other thing is that the the timing of it all obviously threw the club into a bit of a tailspin because all all of their trip marketing, all of the kit marketing that was happening at right that time, like literally days after this mm -hmm. all came out, they, everything was planned around Ronaldo. So the club were, they've really been to the point where they didn't release the promotional videos for the kit right as it came out. They had to, they were still editing, umming and ahhing whether or not to do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Before... Before releasing it a few minutes after, they, didn't, they weren't releasing it all at the same time because they were still, still working out the the kinks with it, and obviously, regardless of where or not wherever he does or not fit into Tenog's system or philosophy, he's still a, mm -hmm. key, a key player, and he would have played and he would have been part of that, and that that would have been the process that we would have been watching. It's the issue of obviously the timing of everything, if he does want to go, if, if that is genuine, if he does want to go, I can understand that. For the same reason I can understand that De Jong doesn't want to sign, because, let's face it, he can still score goals in the Champions League, he does have that legacy, he does want to play in there, he does want to compete and all that. All right, fair enough, he can do that. And I, I would have, at that point, said, move him on, better blank slate, let's all move forward. There's no point keeping him if he's unhappy. It's not the same as 2008. You're not keeping the best player in the world. You're keeping a player who, at best, you might get mm -hmm. another 50 goals out of if he stays for two or three years. Is that worth sacrificing the long-term like the long -term stability of what? Even another investment in Martial, is that a better gamble at this point mm -hmm. than the continued investment in Ronaldo? We don't know. It's, it's a fair question to ask, is the point. I, d I just have this thing where now if, again, we're playing with ifs because I'm not entirely sure how much he's been whoring himself around to all the different <clears> clubs because it's very oh, unbecoming yeah. of a player who's one of the greatest of all time. Has he really been saying, I'll play for you, Chelsea. I'll play for you, Bayern. I'll play for you, Atletico Madrid. If that or hasn't been happening, the issue that he's got going back into United is whether or not he has been putting him out itself out there all of the noises yeah. from those clubs have been we're not we're not taking that gamble so his ego's been dented either way so he's gonna 
a catch twenty two for him coming back is going to be his ego has been dented to the point where he's going to have to sort of say that he wants to stay at United because the club have, as as far as everyone knows, and all of the yeah. briefings have been consistent from the club. Ronaldo is not for sale. Now I don't know if they're saying we want a twenty million pound bid for him. If that's what not for sale means in this instance. Yeah. But perhaps the club have been protecting Ronaldo, and I don't know if maybe at some point in the last week something's got back to Ronaldo and he said, "Do you know what? Well, I've actually yeah. done you a solid year, so you better start." Think, which all which which all made sense until he posted the picture mid-match. Uh, it's just just unbelievable stuff. I look. I, t- I tell you what I think has happened, and and forgive me everyone for speculating. This is how I think the story is going. I'm just going to speculate because you know, hey, it's fun, isn't it? Please do. Um, the family issue in, and it, in that you know, it's something he has to deal with, but it's convenient because at the same time you mentioned whoring, uh, his Mendes, his his agent <laughs> Mendes is uh, is out around Europe pushing him to absolutely everyone. Whoring, he's less or leaving Las Vegas at that point. But they all sides have left it open, and United especially, to him returning, and the story being family thing, he was always going to come back, uh, the rest of it was all nonsense, fake news, etc. and so on. So it's been in everyone's interest to leave it open enough. Ronaldo has not said a thing, public, um, and neither of the club, really. Behind the scenes, I had heard United are pretty desperate to get rid of him at this point. And if I was Ten Hag, although he's saying he's an important player, I'll play him. If I was Ten Hag, politically, it seems just way too risky to have him at the club because he will dominate all the headlines and the entire entire narrative. Every press conference will be about Ronaldo if he stays and his happiness. And it will be very, very hard for Ten Hag to, to play both his system and play anyone else because of what happens not number one last season, you know, public tantrums or convenient injuries. So I, I think yeah. that's why it's happening and everyone is basically waiting for someone to take him on. There won't be a fee involved. There's no United are, are going to be committed to £10 plus bonuses, minus the discount for not being in the Champions League next season in wages anyway. It's just getting him off the books, frees up space and frees up the politics. So we'll see. Um, it's just, is there a Champions League club of any merit willing to take him? And what's the trade-off between you'll get 20 goals and he will disrupt your system if you're a systems coach and, and between that and the 100 million followers he has, obviously marketing boon and whether yeah. that's worth it for the one or two years that you get out of him. Yeah, I, I, it's, I think the, the key sticking factor for United is that it's a history, right? I think if he did not add the history, if he was, let's say, if he was Latan and he, he was, he'd had a year at United, I think there'd be a mutual termination of contracts without a problem. But I think if United did that to Ronaldo a year after bringing him back, regardless of the fact that you or I can look at it objectively and say that probably for the best, there's going to be millions of fans would be like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. You can't just mutually... T-. It'd be a little bit like George Best. Like the, the, sort of like the return's gone sour. What, what, what is the noise that's come from that? I mean, don't get me wrong. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we got off recording this podcast and United have put out yeah. a statement saying, oh, we've agreed to part ways. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of situation. You really don't know what's going to come next with it. I do... I think that the club have been very, very fair to him, very good to him in, in that they've kind of protected him from the mess of like so 
the mess that he and his agent have created basically in in fanning the flames because let's let's turn it the other way around if there was no substantial there's no way of looking at this and saying there's movement on it then they could have easily rubbished that and they haven't they've definitely not there's definitely been movement we know that he's he's trying mendez is definitely trying to get him yeah renato's had three weeks to post an instagram story which will be picked up absolutely everywhere saying no, no, I don't know what all this speculation is about. And he does it. I'll stay. He, he does do that. He does do that. He does post. He'll and I, he did do it recently. I don't know what it was about, but he posted something fake news in response to something. So he, he's definitely doing that. He, he's not above doing it. Yeah, I, you know, he, he's obviously not for the long term at United. I know for for many, the shorter term the better. I don't know. How, how this fits. So the the best thing that you can say in this preseason is that that front three looks fluid and exciting, and you'd rather watch that than what we watched last season. So that's a big problem for Ronaldo already in the gamble that he's taken. Because what's worse than not getting into the Champions League mm. is not getting into a team that's in the Europa League. Do you know what I mean? That's even worse for his for his profile and ego as as good as striker as he is. I, I don't know. It's a really tricky one. I, all the things that, even though I'm romantic in terms of his return, I'm still like I'm happy that I've seen him come back and score goals for United. I don't know. I, it seems like a sensible time to to part ways. And I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Atletico will take it. I think maybe the last week of the window again. You're going to see another. You'll probably get a team desperate who'll be like, do you know what? You know, I, and you wouldn't, for example, rule out Chelsea. Let's say in the last week of the window, they go, oh, do you know what? I think we probably need another striker. Yeah, we'll see. Tuchel seems to have ruled it out. When uh, owner slash sporting director Todd Bowley was uh, trying to do the deal. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And things can um, can move very quickly in the transfer market. And, and yeah. for United, it needs to get sorted soon, though, because we're two weeks away from the start of the season. And it's, you know, we've got Britain, Brentford... Liverpool first three games is not the easiest of starts, I think, to the league. We want it to be positive, don't we? We want the momentum to carry on. And if this is all about Ronaldo, it's not good for Ten Hag, not good for the team. So one way or another, he either returns to Carrington, his training, and uh, and we hear the story that this was all nonsense, and he's he's committed to United and will be staying at United, or he finds finds a, like the, the worst possible situation is yeah uh, United return to Carrington. You know, they flew home yesterday, today, whatever time zone you're in. And they've got a game against uh, Atletico Madrid. I think on Tuesday they go out to Norway, is it? On Monday or Tuesday, flat to Norway. Uh, got a game against Atletico Madrid in Norway. Yeah. And then Rayo Vallecano at Old Trafford. And the 7th of, of August, the season starts. So, got to get sorted soon. Otherwise, it's going to hang over the first few weeks of the season. And I will be surprised. I, 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 look, we talked started the show talking about public platform and making an idiot of yourself. Yeah, you know, we'll see whether I'm totally wrong, but I'd be surprised if we see Ronaldo at, uh, at Carrington training anytime soon. Yeah, hey, could be made a fall off by that one. So anyway, those two games. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see Ericsson, We're going to see Martinez. I think they're both going out to Norway. That's looking forward to that. And it's two games to really. You know, get that last 5% on the fitness and also bed the system in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that I think I know Ronaldo will dominate the headlines, but with the De Jong thing dragging on, 
obviously what we've got to see if he doesn't get De Jong in, he's got to find an alternative yeah. because he's pinned so much on the the importance of that player. So it'll be... I'm interested to see because that's the value of coaching, right? If you don't have a player like that, you're going to have to develop a player to be like that as much as you can. And we'll see how good he can do it, uh, how, how effective he can yeah. be. Or, you know, how poor the players are. Well, I know, I'm pretty sure that neither Fred nor nor McTominay could develop, could be coached into that. Neither of them got a passing range to do that particular role. So <laughs> he's going to have to find a different solution. It's like tactical, tactically different or a, a different player. But uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to the next two games. The last finishing touches before the season starts. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, yeah, I've had enough time off the heartbreak and the sheer catastrophe of last season. And it's probably that that's making me feel more optimistic about it you know like it can't can't be worse yeah. than that and and we're at least entertained by what we've watched so far in pre-season and if that can translate and there, there is i mean a new season a new manager we've got a youth cup winning team you know all those kind of things in the new signings as well you've got to be optimistic i hate the shirt but it's growing on me even little things like that do you know it's, you can tell <laughs> yeah, there's something a little bit basic about it yeah yeah so yeah um... they say that mothers just forget the horrors of childbirth and that yeah you know, they wouldn't do it again if they didn't forget <laughs> the horrors of childbirth it's a bit like that i mean look look before everyone has a go at me on <laughs> on the internet i'm not comparing watching manchester united to giving birth although it was pretty horrible yeah <laughs> so, Let's, let's hope we all move forward. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm feeling reasonably optimistic because um, United haven't kicked a ball in anger yet, really. Uh, and uh, it could all dissipate very quickly when Brighton score twice in the first 10 minutes of the, the first game of the season. Anyway, we'll, we'll come back to preview the season properly, I think, and, um, and talk about those opening games. I think that's it for today. Really good chatting to you again, Wayne. You too. Take care. Have a good friend. rest of your summer. Keep on working on those books. I will. I will indeed. I, look, do you know what? My closing thought is that if the first half performance against Brighton is good, he's already done better than Rangnick. So, reasons to be optimistic. Very, yeah. very much so. Reasons to be optimistic. All right. Well, we'll catch you again soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye now. <laughs>